In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Both this Sunday and next Sunday, the Church prepares for us the readings of uh, the parable of the sower, uh, or the parable of the four soils, where Christ is explaining uh, to the disciples and to the people that there is a sower who goes out to sow the seed, and it's the same seed, the same word, that goes out and gets sown on all the different types of soil, and yet the, the, the fruit that is produced by the soil is dependent not on the seed itself, because it's all the same seed, but it's dependent on the type of soil, the characteristics of the soil. And he speaks about how there is some seed that falls by the wayside, there is some seed that falls by the thorns, there's some seed that doesn't have any uh, soil, any depth of soil to grow. And each one of these soils, which represents all of the different types of people, respond to the word of God differently. And the, 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 the last soil that he speaks about, he speaks about the good ground, the, the soil that is ready and prepared to bear fruit. And he says, what the ones that fell on the good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So we want to speak a little bit about these characteristics that Christ spoke about, about bearing fruit, when he said what? Uh, the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So what are the characteristics that he speaks about here about bearing fruit? He speaks about three main things. The first one is he says to hear the word of God with a noble and good heart. The second is those who keep the word. And the third is those who have patience to bear the fruit. So God willing, this week we'll speak about the first two points. Um, to hear the word of God with a good and noble heart and to keep the word. And next week, God willing, because it's the same parable that we're going to speak about next week, um, we'll speak about the third point, which is having patience. So how do we hear the word of God with a good and noble heart? The first is a person who hears the word of God that is eager to hear, a person who is eager to listen, a person who comes to the church or reads the Bible with open ears, attentive to the word of God, because they feel that God is going to speak to them, that they are actively listening, not passively listening, listening with eagerness. Um, John Maxwell, he's a famous writer, he speaks about leadership. He said, as long as a person doesn't know what he doesn't know, he is not going to grow. I'll read that again. As long as a person doesn't know what he doesn't know, he is not going to grow. They say that the people that think that they are experts on a, on a field are the ones that know the least about it. The ones who know very little are the ones that think that they know the most because they don't know what they don't know. They don't realize that they've only explored like 1% of the field that they think they understand. But those who are very advanced in a field and, and they know all the other aspects of the field that they don't know anything about and they feel actually that they are the least knowledgeable they feel like they still have a lot to learn so sometimes we we think that we have an understanding of the world and we think we have an understanding of ourselves and we think we have an understanding of god and of the church and we live our life with a very basic understanding because we refuse to grow we refuse to increase our knowledge we refuse to increase our understanding and when we hear maybe when we come to the church and we hear the same sermons and the same things and the same readings we think to ourselves yeah you know i've heard this so many times 
I've heard this song. I know I've memorized these parables. I've memorized these stories. What is it that I am benefiting by this? And maybe even subconsciously we close our ears and we close our minds to the word of God because we consider them just to be stories that maybe we even learned from our childhood and there's no reason for me to be more attentive than that. But the idea of being open to listening is not just about memorizing stories. This is the level of a child that when we teach them the Bible, we tell them memorize the story and learn the story and all the facts of the story. This is the lowest level of understanding and of knowledge. But the depth that is in the story is, is the depth of, of, of the human being. That God is telling us these stories not because he wants us to know some stories, because he wants us to see that these stories and these events and these things that God speaks to his people about are the reality of the human condition. And that if we were to look inside of us, we will find ourselves in the stories. All of the characters that are in all of the stories of the Bible are actually us. Different aspects of us, different aspects of our reactions to things, of our misunderstandings, of our fears, of all the things that we experience in the world. God is speaking to us through the stories and through the parables and through the events that happen in the Bible. So when we come and to hear the word of God, we should be listening with eagerness and attentiveness, not because we just want to learn a story or, or hear the words of a story we already know. We are trying to find ourselves in this story. We want to find ourselves. Do we make the time to listen? Do we make the time to read? Do we believe that when we open the Bible and we begin to read that God is really going to speak to me? and he is really calling me to something, and that I want to be, have my ears to be open so that I can hear him. So the first characteristics of someone who hears with a, with, a, with a noble and good heart, hears this word, is they are attentive. They are eager to listen. The second characteristic of a person who, who hears the word of God with a noble heart is they have simplicity in accepting God's words. Simplicity. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. What is this simplicity? You know, I think in modern times, if you say about someone that they are simple, it's almost an insult. When you tell someone that they are simple, you know, we don't want to be simple. We want to be complicated. We want to be sophisticated. We want to have many dimensions. We want to, you know, manipulate. We want to get our way. This is not what, what Christ speaks about, and this is not here what St. Paul is speaking about. He's saying what that we conducted ourselves in the world with simplicity, meaning what you see is what you get. We, are, we don't have an ulterior motive. We don't have any other... Re we are honest. We are transparent. We are clear. We are simple in our actions. Okay? We do not harbor any bias or any prejudice. We are after the truth. We want the truth. We want to the truth, and we want to follow through with the truth. We want to act on it. Um, we believe that when God speaks, that the words that God speak are truth, even if they go against our beliefs, even if they go against our biases, even if they go against what the world teaches. We believe that what God teaches is true. So we accept the word of God with simplicity because we believe that the Bible is true and that it is infallible. We believe that the church is true. We believe that God really came to save his people. And so for that reason, we, we listen attentively to every word that he says and that we believe every word that he says. We, you know, in modern times, people, um, the idea of biblical criticism is you know, the, the highest it's ever been, you know, where we think we are sophisticated because we criticize the Bible. 
that we can look at this story and look at this story and look at archaeological evidence and look at this and this and this and in the end people conclude what it couldn't have been it couldn't have been this doesn't make any sense historically this doesn't make any sense how could it be that whatever the bible is teaching could actually be true and we miss the message we miss the simple message of salvation that god is giving to us because instead of when we hear the word of god that we accept it that we that we that we have faith in this word and instead we just pull it apart we criticize it we dissect it and that is not to say that it is wrong to try to find the truth it is not it is not wrong to try to corroborate or verify what the what the word of god says but if my first instinct if my first reaction to anything that god says is skepticism is doubt is is a desire to pick it apart then i have to question my own motives a lot of times we are not really unbiased and objective when we hear the word of god instead we feel convicted when god tells us something contrary to what we believe or how we live if the bible uh condemns my way of life if the bible tells me that i'm living in a wrong way how easy is it for us to condemn these words and to say you know what well we live in a different time well this is not practical well god is more merciful than this but we have to take it at face value those people who are simple they accept the word and they see the world in light of the word of god not in the light of their own biases each of us sees the world in a certain way and the way that we see it is a combination of many things starting from the way that we were raised our education our experiences all of those things they help formulate the way that we see the world but the word of god is independent of our paradigms or independent of our perspectives when we read the word of god it presents us the reality the truth not the human lens by which we see the world or see reality or politics or anything it is simply true it is simply true the simple person defines truth according to the word of god regardless of who it upsets or who it offends or how you know much it goes against the grain of modern society it is simply true the word of god is true this is a simple person someone who accepts the words of god someone who hears the word of god with a noble heart also has humility in subjecting themselves to his commandments first samuel 15:22 it says behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams there is no point in listening to the word of god without the intention to obey without the intention to follow without the intention to change again as human as human beings what we tend to do is we change the interpretation of the bible to fit what makes us comfortable instead of changing our lifestyle to conform to what the bible says we should be changing we should be willing when we come to hear the word of god i am willing to change tell me the truth and whatever ways in my life that this truth conflicts with my lifestyle it is not the word of god that will change it is not my interpretation of god that will change it is i who will change it is i who will be the one to change and this is why a lot of times people don't want to hear the word of god because if we are honest with ourselves god does tell us many things that need to change and so we find ourselves escaping from it at times the person who is humble and is willing to subject themselves to the word of god who is willing to see god and to see god's truth is the one who will have this noble heart and the one whom when the word of god lands on them symbolically like in the parable they will accept it 
they will they will they will maybe feel sorrowful that yes maybe what i'm doing is wrong but i'm willing to try i'm willing to struggle i'm willing to repent maybe it will take me a very very long time to overcome any particular sin and maybe there are some sins that by the time that we depart from this world we will never have conquered and yet i want to conform myself to the word of god i want to struggle in it while at the same time knowing that god forgives that god forgives this is all part of humility right this is that i am humbling myself to the word so that was the first point to hear the word of god the second one is to keep the word to keep the word and to uh, this idea of keeping the word uh, has several kind of stages in it what does it mean for us to keep the word of god the first step in keeping the word of god is that we have to understand the word right we have to understand the word in Mark 4, it says, But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. When his disciples listened to his parables, and they were confused, and they didn't know what they meant, so what did Christ do? Christ explained it to them, so that they would have a better understanding. But if they heard the parables, and they said, You know, we don't understand what this man is saying. All the things he says are strange. We're just going to leave. We're just going to go do our own thing. I'm not going to hang around for an explanation. I'm just going to go. Right? They would have never really learned the meaning or they would have misunderstood or misinterpreted the meaning of Christ's words. Okay? Here, we need to, to have this same mindset. A lot of the things that we read in the Bible maybe are difficult for us to understand. Maybe it's difficult for me to understand what it's really meaning. But it is on me, it is my role that I should be seeking out answers. It's okay that I don't understand. But it's not okay that I don't try to find an answer. What is this really meaning? Sometimes people take like a verse, for instance, at its face value without really understanding its true meaning. And they think they understand what it means. And they interpret it according to their understanding. But in the end, it might not lead them to the truth. The church, thank God, we have 2,000 years of interpretation of scripture from all of the church fathers that we can refer back to when we don't understand something and we can say this is what the church teaches about something i don't have to invent my own understanding this is what the church teaches this is how the early church understood it so the first step in keeping the word clearly is we have to understand what it is that we should be keeping i have to understand it because if i don't understand it obviously i can't follow it the second is i examine myself in light of the word right i, I examine myself in light of this word King David said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. What is King David here saying to God? He's saying, Search me. You know, maybe it's difficult for us to go to God and say, Search me. What does this search entail exactly? What is going to happen to me when I tell God to search me? And what am I going to find? And maybe I'm a little nervous and scared about what it is that I'm going to find. This is a uncomfortable process, right? King David, when he was living in sin with Bathsheba, and he was kind of oblivious to his sin. He didn't. He, he never really. He never really thought about it. He 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 was having an affair with this woman who was married to another man. And at no point in this story do we ever see that he expressed any kind of remorse or any doubt about what he was doing, or even any kind of self-conflict that maybe what I'm doing is wrong or any struggle or anything. He was like completely like a different David than we've ever seen before, okay? And yet when Nathan the prophet came to him and he rebuked him and he made him realize 
that he was actually in the wrong, King David accepted it immediately. He accepted it immediately. And he accepted it with faith, believing that God would forgive him and that he offered a pure and right repentance to God and, and that God was merciful and loving and he accepted him again. So King David is an example actually of even though that he didn't examine himself in the middle of this story, that at the end he did. And he looked at himself and said, everything that Nathan the prophet is saying about me is right. And he was very honest and he didn't try to hide it. We spend a lot of time trying to justify ourselves and trying to believe that the word that's spoken to us is not applying to us. It's applying to my husband, it's applying to my wife, it's applying to my friends, to my brothers and sisters, it's applying to my boss, it's applying to everybody else. But for me, maybe I'm the last person that I think is actually applying to. And, and we have to be honest with ourselves when we hear certain things, is the first thing I think of is like, I wish this other person was here to listen to this. I wish that person could hear these words. Right, because, because they could really benefit from this. Right, All the while, we're kind of just like not even paying attention that maybe I have this problem. So self-examination. After I understand the word, it's not just a nice story for me to remember and pass it on. It's a story for me to examine my heart and say, how does this apply to me? Why is God sending me this message? God is telling me something today, and he wants me to hear it. The third is the word of God cleanses the heart. Having heard the word and understood it, and having examined myself, I begin to change. This is the process of sanctification in the church. What does it mean to be sanctified? To be sanctified means to be like Christ. How do we become like Christ? We become like Christ by hearing the word, understanding the word, examining myself in light of the word, word and then as this begins to happen, and as I begin to grow spiritually, the word of God begins to cleanse me. In John 15, it says, you are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. The word cleanses us from the filth of the world. The word helps us to see the world clearly. So many people live life in despair and depression because they believe that this world is all there is and the world is not going too well for them. The, wor the world is filled with a lot of pain and suffering for them. And if we believe that this is it, that this is the only world, this is the only thing we have, that there is nothing after this, then life is a very depressing place. There, there, is, there is nothing here of eternal value in this place. And even if I hold on to something really good, we begin to be afraid of when will I lose this? How long will I have this? At what point will it be taken from me? And we begin to hold on to it so tightly and become even to be attached to it. But if I really believe that the greatest gifts and the greatest things are beyond this world, if I truly believe that, then I live my life with a different perspective. I live my life to God. I allow the word of God to cleanse me. I, I focus on my spiritual life. I focus on God because he's the only thing that matters to me. He's the only thing that lasts forever. He's the only thing that will never be taken away. So the word of God should cleanse us. The word of God should be a source of transformation, a source of sanctification for us, to help us to grow closer to God, to understand God more, to know the mercies of God, to see the love of God, to even when we are living one of the despairing and depressing things in the world is sin, even my own sin that I continue to struggle with, sometimes feeling in despair that I can never overcome such a sin. Even this is something that the word of God tells me. He tells me about God's mercy and God's forgiveness and God's love and God's kindness and salvation. All of these are sources of comfort to me that should cause me to live for God, not out of fear, but out of love 
to him. Finally, we would reach a point where the word of God completely governs our soul. The word of God completely governs our soul. We desire only God. We desire only to be with him. This is the cleansing. This is the outcome of hearing the word, of self-examination, of being cleansed over and over for a lifetime, is that I begin to be governed completely by the word of God. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Such a person would reach a state where they have no sorrow in this world because they feel that this world has no power, has no control over them. There is nothing here that controls me. There's nothing here that causes me suffering because in the end, no one can take away from me the greatest joy who is God himself. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to be. But to be, to be at this point doesn't come for free. It, it doesn't just come instantly with no work or no effort from our part. This is a lifelong work. This is uh, the work of a Christian. This is what a Christian life should look like. Christian life should look like this process of sanctification that results in reaching this point where God completely governs me in every way. It is joy for me to obey his commandments. If you read in Psalm 119 in the Bible, King David, every single, this is the longest psalm in the Bible, every single verse of that psalm speaks about the joy of God's commandments. And maybe when we look at God's commandments, we don't really feel joy. We're like, okay, God's commandments are rules. God's commandments are things that I have to abide by. God's commandments are things that cause me stress sometimes, cause, telling me I can't do the things that I want to do, condemning me in some cases. And yet King David was saying what? The joy of the Lord is in all these commandments. I, am, I joy in your commandments. I joy in your precepts. I joy in your law. Why? Because God's law is an expression of love to us. God's law is what protects us from the world and its destruction. And, and King David loved the word of God, and so should we. So in finally, in summary, we spoke about two points. We said, in order for us to be like the good ground that bears fruit, we should what? Hear the word of God with a good and noble heart. And there we spoke about three points, that we are eager to listen to the word, that we have simplicity in accepting God's word, that we believe it when we hear it, that we are humble and subject ourselves to God's commandments. We want to obey. Second, in the verse about the good ground, it says that we keep the word to be good ground. We understand the word. We examine ourselves in light of the world. word. Um, the word of God cleanses our heart. And then finally, the word of God governs our soul. Next week, God willing, we'll speak about the final point, which is the point of having patience. Those who bear fruit as the good ground are those that not only hear the word and keep the word, but have patience. And patience is a very important point. So may God grant us to be the good ground, to desire to be good, to desire to bear fruit, and to be patient and to wait for God to uh, sanctify us and not to lose heart and not to be in despair, but to know that God is good and that he lifts us and brings us to himself. And glory be to God forever. Amen.